As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Episode 79, Money Like Wax. Hey Chainers, welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Welsh. So Katie, student loans. Oh, like the bane of my existence. <laughs> We talk to so many people <laughs> about their student loans. And it's very interesting to see what sort of strategies people come up with. Yeah, we've talked to a lot of people on the podcast and just in like regular life who everybody seems to go about paying off their student loan with a different strategy. Yeah. And it's interesting to me because honestly, like I always just kind of assumed like I'm going to work and work and, you know, just pay it off with cash. And then we talk to other people who kind of have like strategy and like a thought behind it. And it, It's actually kind of shocking to me. Yeah. So our guest today has an interesting strategy where he's funding his student loan with a home equity line of credit. It's an interesting strategy. I would definitely say I'd only suggest people look into it if they're in dire situations. But even then, you got to be careful, you know, because if the property market does something funny, you could end up in a really tight position. Right. Definitely. All right, awesome. Do you want to dive into our interview? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Hey, Chainers. Welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. Today, we have Josh from Money Life Wax with us. Money Life Wax is a personal finance blog designed for millennials. In 2015, Josh realized that his, financial, his finances were in a mess and decided to do something about it. So in February 2016, he put a ring on his girlfriend's finger and they decided to get serious about their future. Together, they had over $300,000 worth of student loan debt and it took some serious planning for them to start tackling their debt. Welcome. Hi, Josh. Hey, guys. What's up? How are you guys? Good. Yeah, doing How well. are you? Doing well. Sorry if my voice sounds a little groggy. I was at a wedding last night for my cousin. So I hope you didn't have too much fun. (laughs) Yeah, No, I mean, I I behave myself. I'm a pretty responsible guy, but you know, so my voice might change a little bit in the next 35, 40 minutes, but we'll see. It's okay. (laughs) So how much debt have you guys actually paid off? 300,000 is like a huge amount. So I was doing the math and before I met my wife, I had 40,000 in student loans and, um, she, so, so honestly, we don't know the exact number. I know it sounds crazy. So she had like 155,000 from grad school. 
She had about 20 in a Navion account, and then she had about another 100 in undergrad. It was like 97. So uh, when we got married, my loans were down below 15, and I, I had a car. So I just did the math. We've paid off in the last two years, we've paid off over 100 of hers. So hers are down from about 250 down to 150, and then my uh, 15 is gone and my car is gone. So about 140K. That's somewhere huge. around there. That's a yeah, lot. It's that's a lot of money. A ton. But yeah. What are you guys going to do with all the extra money when you have it all paid off? Oh my God, we're going to do so much fun stuff. We're <laughs> going to go. Uh, we are going to. We have like a list of trips we're going to take because we don't take <clears throat> we don't take any vacations right now. So we're going to go to. Uh, we're going to do a stateside trip, but I think we're going to try to do twelve trips in twelve months. So like, like a Thursday, Friday, Saturdays. Sunday, Monday sort of thing, 12 different trips in one year. That's kind of one of our game plans. That'd be awesome, you know, and like it kind of makes it all worthwhile, you know, all the hard work and, you know, really being dedicated and stuff like that. So And you right. can really enjoy it when you're debt free. Yeah, no, definitely. There's there's no looming um, interest payments to worry about. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, yeah. And that's that's why I don't really know an accurate number, if I'm being very honest, is the interest is so nuts on these student loans. You can literally see our loans. Like, I'd have to show you a chart. It's crazy. They'll like shoot up like um, every March when that the, when the interest capitalizes, it gets added to the principal amount. So when people say, "How much debt did you have?" I I can go back and look at the loan originator origination amounts, but they're actually significantly higher if we don't pay ahead. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it def- it definitely has a way of uh, creeping up. <laughs> So what has been your strategy to tackle the debt? And like, are you sort of trying to pay off the highest interest rate loans first? Or are you tackling the loans by value? What's been working for you guys? So we read the Dave Ramsey book that most people read. And we, you know, we start with the debt snowball. And that's what we were doing before we kind of got linked up with, uh, with uh, so we use a very unique situation. I don't want to really go into a lot of details because it's really specific to us. We use a home equity line of credit to, basically make huge principal payments, but we focus on cash flow. And uh, for example, I'll give you, I wrote this down. Basically my car, we only owed like 6,000 on it, but the payment was like $175 a month. Whereas one of our loans, even though we only, we owed like, I don't know, maybe 4,000, 5,000, but it only freed up like $20 when we paid it off. So we paid off the car because that gave us more cash flow. And so we were able to do, we kind of were strategic with the first few loans of doing that and my car. And now where, we at, where we're at now, we focus on the largest amount with the largest interest rate because my wife's loans were so big. Like you're talking, we had three loans over 50,000 each right. and some of, some of them were at 8%. So just the interest a month alone, 8% on 50,000 capitalized. Oh my God, you can only imagine. Yeah. So we, we attacked the biggest loans. It's kind of an orthodox and that's why it's not necessarily duplicatable for everybody right and that's we do it because the minimum payment doesn't even cover the interest um so i don't know if that's too confusing but basically we go with the one with the highest interest i guess is the answer to your question that makes sense have you guys looked at like consolidating and refinancing and stuff like that no we actually haven't because of a few a few reasons and people ask this a lot for one, we'll lose the federal perks. So my wife's loans are federally funded. That Therefore, she does um, 
qualify for income-based repayment plans, which basically it's based off of her income. So if we were paying, if we didn't have that, her, her amounts would be a lot higher and that would compromise our cash flow. And we like having the cash flow to be able to pick and choose where we pay our debt, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does so make we, sense. Yeah, we specifically target loans um, with some different <clears throat> pieces that free up more cash flow. Yeah, it definitely does make sense. I mean, as long as you're paying the loans off quickly, then you should be mm-hmm. fine. But that being said, if you do have additional cash flow and, you know, like you want to sort of tackle and not pay as much interest, it definitely would make sense to consider refinancing that. I mean, the difference between 6 and 8% is quite a lot. And I'm sure like being, you know, a little bit older, we, we spoke about age before the show, which we don't have to go into now. Um, You probably have got quite a healthy credit portfolio or a credit score now. So you could probably get that rate down to like four to five percent. Yeah. So did you, I kind of alluded to a little bit ago, did you ever see my post about using a home equity line of credit to pay debt? I didn't see it. No. Okay. So check that out. It's a little controversial. Sometimes people, I'll get like emails like, oh, it's basically we, we have a, a townhouse and we have a lot of equity in it and it's dormant. It's a dormant asset until we use it. Right. The equity, right? So we, we haven't, we're not planning on selling our house anytime soon. So we actually leveraged some of that equity, took a line of credit out, used a $40,000 chunk to pay off one of those loans. And okay. now that freed a bunch of cash flow up and we drive that and all our extra payments back in that line of credit. We drive the line of credit down, we rinse, wash, repeat, and just pay the next loan item out. And so right now, refinancing will compromise our cash flow. We have a lot of cash flow to be able to drive that credit line down. Right. But once we make another... HELOC payment, which takes us about eight months to pay off 40 grand typically. Uh, so we're going to do another one in November. When we do that, we are going to probably refinance actually. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting strategy using uh, home equity to act as a line of credit. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a, you got to manage it sort of weekly. It's a little bit of like more hands-on. I think for some people it might be a little too, so some people will say well, that's really risky. Uh, but when you're in our situation, you have three hundred thousand dollars in loan, three hundred thousand dollars worth of student loan debt. You're basically robbing Peter to pay Paul. I mean, what's what's the difference in taking out a, a line of credit and just washing it over to your student loans at right. the end of the day? Yeah, it's a little unconventional though, for sure. Yeah, but like at least your line of credit is attached to an asset, which hopefully is going to be appreciating in value. <laughs> yeah, no, it de- it definitely will in the next few years. So, yeah, awesome. So what are some areas that you guys have had to cut back on, you know, paying off all this debt? And, you know, you said you weren't traveling as often. What are some things that you guys have like actively been trying to scale back? So that's probably the most, you know, I'm sure you guys get this too. When people ask about debt, they said, Oh my God, how did, how did you pay off so much money or how'd you do that? And honestly, it's just living a different lifestyle. And I know that's not the answer. Some people want to hear uh, I think sometimes people are like, well, what's the trick? What's this? I mean, there's definitely some strategies, whether it's using a line of credit or or just you know refinancing. But for us, we stopped going on vacations. We stopped eating out so much. We stopped buying clothes. We got rid of cable TV. We actually got rid of our gym membership. I work at a school, so I can work out at the gym. And then our community gym is uh, it's nice enough. You know, it's not. It's not an exclusive club with a basketball court, but that was 60 bucks a month that we saved right there. Cable was 110. 
and you start adding these up and we had an extra eight hundred nine hundred dollars in our budget and then uh we got so i had a really nice truck and i sold that and that helped a lot too yeah i can uh relate to like canceling like gym memberships and everything i've always had a gym membership like from the time i was like 15 i think and you know going through like I added up all my monthly payments and I have paid thousands and thousands of dollars. Was it and 10, cool. It was a lot. I don't it, even... it was something like that. And that's not even taking into account the time value of money either. So Yeah. Well, and the fact right. like you would think I'd be in really great shape, but I was pretty average looking. I, and like I yeah. didn't go to for like there was a time where I worked out every day when I was in high school, but like that was a long time ago. I'm not working out every day and I'm, you know, I can do other things that are more free or, you know, so I also have cut out the gym membership and honestly, I haven't really missed it between like, like, like you said, the, uh, like the gym in your building. And then I've also really grown to love like free YouTube videos. Yeah, it, I'm actually, my wife and I are in way better shape, I think, too, than when we were in a gym membership, which sounds crazy, but I think we're, like, a little bit more hungry to, like, when we go to the gym, we're like, all right, we got to get it done with, and um, I also think there's an element to growing up with, there's nothing wrong with gym memberships, and this probably has nothing to do with what you guys are asking me about, but I, I love talking about this, because I had a lot of friends that would go to the gym for two hours a night, and then they have kids, or they get married, and they just stop going to the gym altogether, and they look like different people in two years, if you know what I mean. So we've like learned to be thrifty with our gym, if that makes sense. And we like really figure out ways to stay in shape uh, on a budget. They start rocking that dad bod. Yeah, the dad bod. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the dad bod. So that is not my, uh, I was a wrestling coach for a while. So I'm like okay. anti-dad bod. So, but, uh, but no, honestly, it was just lifestyle changes. We we went out a lot. We we live in the Arlington, D.C. area as well as you guys. You guys live in that area too, right? Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah, so you guys know what Arlington's like. You know, it's very easy to go out every night, and you can spend a good amount of money eating out and having a few drinks uh, very quickly, and that was pretty much every weekend for a long time for us. And uh, very quickly, we stopped that, and it was amazing how much money we had to pay off student loans and so we didn't have to worry about that, but student loans, auto debt, things like that. Yeah, definitely makes sense. So you basically proposed in February 2016. And like, obviously, you knew that you were going to be getting into, um, you're going to have to have a huge amount of debt tackled together. So what sort of strategies did you have for planning a wedding on a budget? So we, um, we, we actually got, I, I think you, we got engaged July 2015. But in February, we decided to get married, if that makes sense. Uh, we were like going to put the wedding off for a couple of years, which was our plan because of money. And in February 2016, we're like, this is the stupidest thing ever. We're going we're gonna to wait three years to get married so we can save up for a one-day party. Right. Um, and, and we have um, we sort of have like a financial mentor in life. It's just a, it's an older gentleman who's very with money. And he, he's sort of the one who's really helped us a lot with all this. And he kind of looked at us and was like, hey, look you know, are you going to have this big wedding for you and your wife? Or more, more importantly, Lauren, my wife, he's like, it's for her, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, then why are you worried about inviting 200 people to your wedding? And I was like, well, they're all my friends. He's like, are they really? And he didn't mean it like they're not your friends. He meant it like, is it really that important of saving 
going into debt to have this massive four-hour party. And when he said it like that, we really started kind of looking at different things. And my wife's from Ohio. I'm from Virginia. So we both went to school in West Virginia. And it's the middle point of where we're both from. And so we went, we're like, all right, well, let's get married there. I know this sounds terrible, but like that kind of weeds out the people that don't, that if they really want to be there, they got to put some skin in the game. Does that make sense? So they had to drive three hours. So that kind of eliminated a few guests. We're like, all right, so we know our real friends and family. Uh, But, you know, and then it was, honestly, it was a lot cheaper there too. But some things we did, we, we didn't hire a videographer. Uh, We used an app that had this really cool app that like basically allowed people to download the app and they just filmed from their phones and then they sent us a few cameras that we put on tables and that was like super fun. Everyone loved it because they could like film themselves and it sent it to a cloud and it allowed us to make a wedding video. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It's called Wedding Mix and um, we ended up paying them like $250 to make like a highlight video. And it's like 30 minutes long. So it's not the highest quality, but you know what? Captures way more of our wedding. The five minute highlight video that looks like LA did it, but I'm like, I don't need an LA video in the evening. We, um, we didn't go crazy with dresses. We didn't go crazy with gifts. We bought suits for the guys. All right. And then the guys all paid me suits. That way we could keep a suit. Um, more importantly, the biggest thing is we just didn't try to impress everyone, if that makes sense. We didn't go crazy with decorations. And I think all in all, it was like a $15,000 wedding, which is still, I mean, man, things add up quickly, even on a budget. Yeah, that's um, true. And then Laura, my wife's dad's gift to us was the, uh, the photographer. So that helped a little bit. So what advice would you have for people who are either coming into having a lot of debt, like taking out loans or trying to pay it off. What advice do you think people should have going into getting all this debt? So if you're going to take out debt, my mindset, and sometimes I I don't want to ever come across as like a harsh person, but it's kind of like if you assume the debt, then you should pay the debt. And it's not a like, I'm saying you deserve to pay all this debt, but you got to realize, and this is just my opinion once again, that if you're going to take out the debt, you're going to have to be responsible for it at some point, right? So are you going to pay it off in the short term or the long term? And, and for my, um, for the way we looked at it, we're like, our debt's an emergency, but you can, you can easily fix it, right? And like within two years, we've already knocked out more than half of it. And the next two years will be fine. And I'll be 30, I'll be in my early 30s and save my wife. And so at the end of the day, if you're going to take out debt, make sure that you're doing it for the right thing. I mean, you guys probably know this. You have count. I'm a high school educator and I have kids. Yeah, I think I'm going to get my criminal justice degree. Oh, where are you getting that at? Getting it out of private school in, you know, somewhere. How much is that a year? 45000 You're going to take out $180,000 to get a criminal justice degree? I mean, that's, you know, like I could understand if you're going to get your doctorate or maybe you're going to go pre-med and then get your doctorate or maybe you're going to go be a lawyer, but you can get a criminal justice degree uh, doing two years at a community college and then two years at undergrad at a local college and not assume $180,000 worth of student loan debt. And I just think you got to be a little bit knowledgeable. And if you're, if you're going to take it out, I would plan on paying it because in my opinion, I just don't see public service loan forgiveness being around in 10 years. Like everyone thinks, I don't know if you guys have seen all those different articles, but yeah, we yeah. definitely have. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not. 
think they're even talking about, yeah, I think it's going to be next year. So it's kind of, we'll see. Yeah, no, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. Chainers, if you do have a ton of student loan debt, head over to chainofwealth.com slash accredible. There you'll be redirected to the credible website. And if you use our link, you can get up to a $200 referral bonus when you refinance your student loans. Chainofwealth.com slash credible. Okay, so why do you think people struggle to achieve their dreams? So that's a, that's a deep question. You guys got me there. Um, <laughs> why do people struggle to, to, to reach their dreams? Honestly, I think it has a lot to do with the distractions that we all are we all see every day, right? Like there's so much advertisement. There's so much things to do. There's so much, I mean, there's just a lot of distractions for good or for there's, there's good and there's bad ones. Right. Right. And at the end of the day, I think having that long-term vision is not, it's very clouded. And if you have a cloudy vision, it's going to be harder to reach your long-term dreams. You got to think, I mean, we can get a package in a day. We can go to Panera and walk in and grab a bag and we have dinner Everything is instant. Everything is at the click of your hands, which in many ways is great. It's phenomenal. But in many ways, it can make it very easy to sort of get distracted and not focus on the long-term vision. Um, I have a lot of friends that they have to go to every baby shower, every wedding, every, every Friday and Saturday and Sunday, you can't do anything. And every birthday and every holiday, it's like we you realize that like 40% of your year is accounted for right there. If you, if you treat every event, I mean, you're going to have birthdays and holidays and weekends the rest of your life. So if you use every time you use one of those as an excuse not to, to kind of move your life forward and go towards your goals and your dreams, it's, you're kind of, you're kind of almost eliminating a lot of that potential time to even be, be able to reach your dreams. Yep. Definitely makes sense. So do you have any other books or podcasts you could recommend for our listeners? So I don't read a lot of financial books. Uh, that's something I, I want to set a goal goal to do uh, right now. Like, I don't know. I always tell people like when, when, when bloggers ask about investing or, or people, I'm like, I don't know a lot about investing. Something I'd like to learn more about. But uh, I have a few books that I wrote down. Uh, Grant Cardone has a great book called 10X. I don't know if you guys ever read it. It's, it's just phenomenal about if you're like in that entrepreneurial spirit and in that mindset about really going for it. He talks about sort of going for your dreams and going for your, your vision and doing it times 10. Um, another good book would be slight edge talks a little bit about finances, but it's kind of about daily decisions. Uh, I think the guy's name's Jeff Olson. He wrote it. Uh, and then just blow it up was a cool book that I found. Uh, and it kind of just talks about going for things in life and kind of moving forward and getting over your fear. Sometimes I think there's a little bit of people myself included, sometimes we, we don't want to take action in something because of the fear of the unknown. It kind of just talks about why if taking action, different things will occur. Um, and then did you ask about podcasts? Yes. So believe it or not, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. I'm like a, so I teach history. So I'm sort of a nerd and a self-proclaimed nerd. I like listening to like Malcolm Gladwell's podcasts. I don't know if you guys ever heard any of those. Uh, more about like society and just sort of things like that. So I listen to a lot of his podcasts. I just got into um, this one guy though. His name is like David David Quain. It's the Power of Zero. Have you guys ever heard of that? I haven't. Uh... 
So it's a little deep, but basically this guy believes in investing in life insurance retirement policies. And it's really deep. It's very monotone. So I, uh, I listened to that. I've been listening to it over and over again, just to, trying to understand it. It's a really unique approach. He talks about how it's just, you know, to diversify your portfolio. And then um, that's really, really it. There's a, and then I listen to Marriage, Kids, and Money sometimes with Andy Hill over his website. He's pretty good, so. Yeah, we're good friends with Andy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. So do you have a favorite quote that you like to live by? I got two. I wrote two down for you guys. I, I said, observe the masses and do the opposite. And then if um, if nothing changes, nothing changes. That's something that my wife and I sort of took to heart because when you're paying off a lot of student loans, sometimes, believe it or not, your family and friends will they'll kind of guilt you into different things. Like, oh, you're, you know, you're not spending a lot of time with the family on the trips or you're not doing this, you're not doing that. And we just had to really hone in and say, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. At the end of the day, if we don't do anything about this, we're going to continually have this sort of lingering problem. So that was something we had to, to really live by. Yeah, it, it's definitely taking the, the higher road, you know, to say, you know, I'm going to sacrifice some things to focus on my debt payoff, you know. And at the end of the day, you know, like you are going to achieve your goal of paying it off, you know, and family will still be around when, when once you've paid it off and it's going to set you up for later life. So you're definitely making the right decision. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're going to be around. And honestly, it's taught us so much about just valuing memories and the right stuff instead of like uh, superficial, like uh, money spending events, if that makes any sense. Like we just we just like spending time with our family and friends that's genuine and not necessarily, it doesn't have to be centered around, you know, going on huge beach trips. Like that was something our families did both sides. So, right. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Chain is we hang out with Josh from Money Life Wax. You can check out his website at moneylifewax.com. And if you have any student loans, this is definitely a website you want to check out. Chainers, we've absolutely loved hanging out with you today. And we would love to continue the conversation with you. So definitely hit us up on Twitter. That's at Chain of Wealth. And let us know what you thought of today's show. Do you think that using your equity line of credit to finance your student loans is a good decision or bad decision? Or what's your strategy to pay off your loan? Catch you on the flip side. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.